Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host as ever, Louis McCaffrey, and this week um, I'm joined by a really good panel, to be fair. Um, I'm joined as ever, as I always am, by Christopher Sarmani. Good evening, Louis. I love how you always um, kind of come to me first, like I'm uh, Robin to your Batman or whatever. Uh, but we all know, son, that you're Robin, despite the fact that you're holding the mic. So just remember that. We man. So- Listen, I'm I'm Jordan and you're Pippin, you know what I mean? You're 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 a good guy who always passes the ball, but you're never quite a star. Um paid too much, son, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I know. Jealousy's a horrible thing. Um and then I'm also joined by uh, you know, two teachers, two, you know, fantastic individuals of the nine minutes I think who I've actually been listening to this week, um, on different pods I've been trying to catch up on. But first we're gonna to come to Keith with a hard G. There's not even a G in Keith, but he's he's got a hard G. It's uh, Keith McGinty. Hi Lou, how you doing? Thanks thanks very much for having us on your, your pod. I'm looking forward to tonight's discussions. Thanks for um I thanks for uh, accepting the invite. It's um, you know, scraping the barrel a bit, but it's good to have you back, Keith. And um and Barry Gallagher, obviously been on quite a few times recently because he's probably the most informed cynic of, of right now. Cheers, Lou. Um, it's good to be back on the Cynic Weekly and I'm looking forward to talking about sort of uh, stuff for this week rather than stuff in the past. So bring it on. Absolutely. There's, um, sadly, there's not a hell of a lot to talk about in the world of, you know, Celtic uh, in terms of football, but um, we've got we've got a few kind of things that we need to talk about, and a few questions that have been put to us um, into the cynic in general and the, the Patreon, which we're hopefully going to get to a wee bit later on. So first up, um, the kind of major news that's uh, Celtic related this week has been the appointment of Gavin Strachan, um, son of Gordon. Um, He's obviously came in to replace Damien Duff, um, so it's now going to be a bagging team of uh, Lennon Kennedy and uh, Gavin Strachan. Now, we're not going to bullshit and try and say that we know a hell of a lot about Gavin Strachan. Very, very brief background is that his last two jobs, he, he was the assistant manager at Peterborough um, and before that at Doncaster Rovers, so he's been a been an assistant manager for a while. Um, from all accounts, from what I've heard and what I've read um, since his appointment, or it was kind of speculated over the weekend, it sounds like it's someone that Lennon really wanted, um, and it's someone that um, is very kind of well thought of and, and respected within the game um, on his own merit. Obviously, he's um, he's got all his coaching badges and had done that. Um, he'd done that years ago. I've tried to remember. I was reading a bit about him and the job that he had prior to that. I think he had studied journalism and was working on a paper and had had a few things published before that. Um, and then moved into uh, football and done his badges and, and that sort of thing. Um, before we maybe get to him, if anybody's got anything else to add about him specifically, how do we feel um, How do we feel that the departure of Damien Duff will be felt? Um before we maybe go on to him, is anybody worried when that news came up that you know it could really affect things? Or you know, I suppose Damien Duff is really number three in the outfit. Is it not anything we really need to worry about? You make him sound like it's the mafia, number three in the outfit. You know, you know. Don't know why you use that terminology, Louis, but never mind. So I've offended you because you're you're connected to the Cosa Nostra with the 
past and brown family history. How dare you? How dare you? I'm going to ignore that slur and I'm going to move on. Um, but what I will say is um, I'm dead against his appointment purely because I've still never forgiven his dad for that leather jacket he wore on the telly. That's just... It's, it's, it was beyond the pale for a man of his vintage to wear a jacket that bad. And he sullied his entire family. So bringing Strachan in, uh, Junior, even if it's Strachan Junior, is uh, it's a backward step for Celtic, to be honest. Now, uh, being honest, see, with Duff, I don't know, we don't really know how good Duff was. But by all accounts, the harmony in the squad was good. He talked about how much he loved it. Um, people seem to rate Kennedy really highly. I would have been far more worried if Kennedy had went instead of Duff, just because of the grounding he's had, the fact he was here under the rat and there's been con- con- continuity with him. Um, I was disappointed to see Duff go just because it seemed as if that it was part of a system that's working well. But even though I'm joking about Stratton and his dad's jacket and all that, I know nothing about the guy. I can't tell you if he's a good coach or not. You know, highly rated, maybe, but I'm neither here nor there with it. I mean, again, Duff seemed to be a good fit, do you know what I mean? And he's obviously been highly rated and he's went back to the island setup. But I'll be perfectly honest, I knew nothing about Gavin Strachan and um, I'm neither up nor down on the news that he's our new, new coach. In respect of uh, what you're saying about his, his dad's leather jacket, it's got to work out cheaper for his hiring Gordon Strachan, director of football at Dundee's son, for a, a, a role. Uh, rather than playing Dundee in a, a friendly that helped us get the, the votes that we needed from them. Um, just having a wee superficial look at his, his, um, his time at, uh, where is he there now? Peterborough. Um, they seem to be quite an attacking side. Um, they've scored the most goals in League One. And they're right up there just outside the playoffs. So it seems, just uh, having a wee quick look at things like that, that it is quite a good fit. You would hope that he is quite an a attacking, forward-thinking coach. Off the three, like you said, off the three to go, I would be happy that the Duff's gone. He says it's quite a, a wrench to leave Celtic, but we'll see how long he, he's, he's over in Dublin for before he turns up in Chelsea's training ground maybe next season. I'm happy. I'm happy that we're getting a wee bit of fresh ideas. Happy that we're getting a wee bit of fresh ideas. Um, because at times... We, we did come up against Rangers a couple of times and we looked as if we were lacking in some ideas. Biggest thing I think that we're going to miss though with Damien Duff is um, the set pieces. It was last season, was the first time in many a year that we looked like a threat again at set pieces and Neil Lennon credited him many a time with being the, the reason, the work that he did in the, the training pitch for that and a couple of the players mentioned it too. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Keith. Um, because even if you think back to uh, Lennon's sort of spell when the rat left us, um, we weren't scoring many. I know Jozo scored uh, the sort of famous goal towards the end of last season, but thinking on this season, the amount of goals and even the chances that Julian had without scoring goals, he could easily have got 15 uh, goals this season, but the season they'd been allowed to finish its natural course. Just on uh, Gavin Strachan, um, I hate that phrase about he's a student of the game, but having done a wee bit of reading about him today, um, it does seem that he's sort of progressive and he, he has looked to learn about as much as the game as he can to give him the best chance of beating um, a sort of top-level coach. So 
It can only be a good thing. I think someone it's be, it's much better going this way than the sort of jobs for the boys that we've done in the past. Um, that goes against sort of Kennedy, but Kennedy is someone who is highly rated and has put the hours in. But I think if Lennon's identified this guy as who he wants and the market we seem to be looking at just now, in the short term anyway, is sort of lower league uh, England uh, English players um, or English league players. So Strachan will have plenty of contacts down there as well. So that can only be a bit of a positive thing in that, that sense. We did, we did have a question on a, on a point you just made there um, in the flick chat um, from Michel Bélanger. Um I think I've pronounced that right. He said, um, is, it the, is it the right move, um, a point in Strachan, um, or would it have been better to promote one of um, McManus or O'Day? So as you're saying, they're kind of jobs for the boys there. I mean, I think one thing that people forget is the fact that Damien Duff wasn't part of the, the first team set up initially. I mean, he he kind of answered the call to come up and be promoted after the rat had left. But, I mean, he was very much brought in initially to coach the youth team. Um, and then, obviously, he had to step up. And then, who was the last one out of McManus and O'Day? I think, was it O'Day? Darn O'Day, maybe, was the last one to come in. Um, <clears throat> that's... I must admit, I didn't, I didn't, bought, I didn't really give it much mind when when Damien Duff left. In a sense of who would replace him, I was disappointed because I, I think going into this season with a ten in a row, you want as much continuity and you know as as you possibly can. We don't want anything unsettling that squad at all, and you know a new personality coming in and someone leaving that I think, on all accounts, you know the players really got on with Damien Duff, so. That was a bigger worry for me. I didn't really even consider who might come in in their place. Also, you know, you've got the the point of um, Neil Lennon when he was manager the first time around. He had, you know, Johan Mialbe and even, you know, even the likes of someone like Alan Thompson or something like that. They've been linked in the past. Um, I, I was quite pleased when I saw Gavin Strachan just purely, as you say, He's somebody different. He's somebody fresh who's coming in. He's already assistant manager and has been at a number of clubs with um, the same manager, Dan Ferguson. So, you know, he's been... It's not just an easy job to give, you know what I mean? They're obviously... They have done their due due, due diligence. I can't say that word. Um, And they've spoken to a number of candidates and he's proven to be the best one. So, So fair enough. Well... Couple of points I'm going to make. Did you say he managed with Darren Ferguson? I think so. Do you think we just said to each other, "My dad hates your dad"? Probably. But but and secondly, did uh, Gavin Stratton come from Peterborough? As you can tell, I'm I'm really knowledgeable about Gavin Stratton here. Yeah, he was he was at he was at Doncaster Rovers with Ferguson first, and then I think the two of them have been there for the past seventeen months, according to the Wikipedia. Right. Um, at that posh. So hopefully Adrian Durham's bailing about this. I'm all for it if Adrian Durham is upset by it. So welcome aboard, Gavin Stratton. I've done a 180 and we're not even 20 minutes into the podcast. The jacket is forgotten. Um, on a, on that note of, you know, the, the backroom staff, how important do we feel that the backroom staff are to things right now? You know, often we always we always talk about the manager. We probably we focus on the manager a bit too much sometimes, and we forget the other coaches that are behind the scenes. We've had so much upheaval and, and turnaround with staff um, because of the rat's departure and, and how he kind of set us up to fail with that. Um, 
John Kennedy's a someone who Damien Duff spoke very highly of, um, as have a number of different people in the game, uh, the rat included. Um, when he left, you know, John Kennedy is very much, I think, touted to be a Celtic manager one day. And there's been discussion about, you know, say for example, Dundee United. Should Dundee United, they might, they might put in a request to speak to him and stuff like that. Surely, I mean, from my point of view, I just think we can't we can't lose John Kennedy. I think John Kennedy is absolutely crucial to what we want to do this season. One thing yeah. I just wanted to say about um, uh, about Gavin Strachan coming in. You're talking about the influence that they have and the the contacts that we have. One player that's been linked with Celtic is their striker Ivan Tony, who worked with Strachan. So you don't know if that maybe be like a wee prelude. They might have an inside track into what we need to do to get him. Working with Strachan might be a, a positive for him if we're trying to get him to take him up to Celtic. Um, as for Kennedy, I, th- I think it's important that he sees a, a progression at Celtic, a career path. I'm quite happy for him to take over after Neil Lennon. Um, I'd much rather somebody that's been at the club for that while, knows the city, that knows the club, knows the players. But the thing that we need to do is then make sure that everything around him is set up for him to succeed. That he isn't having to come in with his own ideas, that he isn't having to build everything up like uh, the Rogers did, but he had the, the experience beforehand. We should have the the scouting set up ready for um, Kennedy to go, the analytics department, and it seems to be gearing towards that. So if we can get all that background work done, then Kennedy should be a success. See, if you were Kennedy, though, do you not think that the fact that Strachan is an assistant manager in his own right now, would that not sort of not worry you, but concern you slightly that someone who is an assistant manager somewhere else has been brought in as a number three, but that's almost as if his backroom staff has been decided already, but that's only assuming that he is going to be the next Celtic manager. I always, I always sort of think of when a sort of high profile, I know Strachan is only high profile because of his dad right now, but when a high profile coach comes into a coaching team, I would always be wary that what's the long game here? Are they being, are they being sort of groomed for a, a bigger job here themselves? So that's maybe something I would have a look to if I was Kennedy. You know, I, d- I don't know if this this may be wrong and I don't know, someone else might have seen this, but I've got a feeling that I read somewhere that Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy had been on the same course, coaching courses at the same thing. So you never know, it might be that they're appointing him, as you say, Barry, that, you know, at a point in time, they'll all move up one in the pecking order, you know what I mean? And, and that could be an assistant to Kennedy, who knows? Um, yeah. it, you know, it could be interesting to see. Do people, I mean, I'd, I don't get the impression that, I mean, people are talking about um, Kennedy being Lennon's replacement and, and the way it seems to me like they, they talk about, they talked about Daniel De Rossi being captain of Roma. And by the time Totti left, he was about 47, do you know? It just... I don't see Lennon actually leaving. Um, I think, now in his second spell when Lennon's came back, it's, people have universally said that he's a better manager. That might be one of the reasons for that is he might be surrounding himself with better coaches as part of his team as opposed to 
these guys been brought in to take over for him. Do you know what I mean? I mean, previously you had guys like Mialbi and, and Thompson, and that did stink of here's my pals, if you know what I mean. Whereas this seems to be more thought out. But I, I, I've never really looked at them as guys that are looking to replace him. Lennon, for me, unless he messes up, is here for the long haul. Just because I don't think he would be in big demand anywhere else. I just think he sort of suits being here as long as the results go his way. I don't, I don't you, know what others think about that. Would you, would you rather... Um, I, I mean, would you rather have Lennon... Like, pre- presume we win the 10, which we can't really do, right? But just for talking sake, presume we win the 10. Would you, you know, would you let Lennon continue and say, right, you've just won the 10, we can't say you let him continue? Or is that a good chance for someone like Kennedy to come in? There's going to have to be changes. There's not nearly the same pressure. And let him, let one manager go out on the biggest high that he ever could and let John Kennedy come up and really take over. I mean, personally, that's what I would like. I, 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 I don't want to kick Lennon out as soon as he wins the 10, but if, if, if he kind of intimates, look, I've done all I can and I want to leave this legend and never you know, never tarnish it in any way, then I would be happy for him to go and let Kennedy in, especially with his background of working with the youth players. There's going to be a lot of players coming into that first team that he's coached for a long, long time and he's going to know how to get the best out of I'm sure Lennon's contract is up until the following season, so we've got another two years of Lennon contract with the club. You would think that after the 10, we keep talking about on here about a hard reset, but when you think everything that's going on around the world just now, this is going to be a tough year next year because everything is all geared towards the 10. A lot of fans that will be going this year and we've been talking about renewals and things like that, they're going purely to see 10 in a row. There might be a bit of a drop-off next year. You might find some of the fair weather fans will, will maybe give up. So keeping a bit of continuity with, with Neil Lennon, who is successful, has been fantastic for us, that might be a, a good time for... You'll probably find players like Scott Brown will be having a, a much more diminished role in the in the side. So we're going to need the, that someone like Lennon to steady the ship. But that doesn't mean you say... How long have we been saying that about Scott Brown though, you know, I mean, there's got, there's surely if there was ever a time for some of these guys, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, Keith, I think that there's been there's been a lot of discussion and even on like the, the Cynic pods recently about what happens after the 10 and I think there's a lot of people are saying, you know, this person will go, this person will go, you know, they'll, be, they'll all be running out the door. I don't necessarily think that's, that's the case. I, I really don't. I think um, I think some players are here because they've been sold on the idea of winning ten in a row, um, which I, I, you know you can't really argue with. But I think some some other players, the likes of Cal McGregor, for example, I don't see him running away just because we've won ten in a row. I, I think he's he's a good example of someone who. I, I genuinely think we could hold on to for his whole career. But then again, I thought that about Tierney. I would, I would hope that after ten in a row, that we then change our, our focus, that change our sights onto Europe and being a team that's that's constantly in the last eight of competitions in Europe, especially the the, the Europa League, but pushing that wee bit further in the Champions League if we can get there. That's not to say that um, this season that we should be given more control to John Kennedy, uh, things like the. 
the, the League Cup. He should be taking over. He should be having much more command in the preparations for it, the match day. That's the good experience that, that he can get from it. So this could be a bit of a transition year as well. Wait, where are you? I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Somebody, I was trying to steal a bit of my Wayne's uh, Easter egg. It was in here, and uh, I nearly fumbled it on his bed. Um, but uh, one thing I was going to say is obviously the the news about uh, Dundee United. Would I mean? What do you think of John Kennedy going there? Do you think that is something that they would want? And then how do we handle that as as a club? I mean. Is it a good idea for John Kennedy to maybe go somewhere, you know, get a bit of experience as being a manager before he takes over the Celtic job? Or do we, you know, is it, is it just, you know, if he has a bad experience, it might set him back in a massive way? I think that's the big risk, Chloe. Um, I think it was Martin Freelot who said that in the group chat yesterday, that on paper it looks like a great idea that Kennedy could go away for, say, two years, um, sort of learn his trade at Dundee United and then he would have that sort of invaluable experience of being a number one before he comes back but you know how fickle football is um, all it would take would be a couple of sticky bad months and then he could be sacked and where does that lead him then that would be heavy stock at an all time low so I think particularly close to the 10 and the impact he's had so when did Kennedy came and has got sort of promoted with uh, Ronnie, didn't he? So that's when he got promoted to sort yeah, of first did, team yeah. coach. So he's had a massive impact in the bulk of the 10, uh, as it were. So I think this close to it, while it might be very tempting for uh, John Kennedy, I think it'd be as well reevaluating how things are this time next year, perhaps. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd love to see John Kennedy get the job and bring John Collins back. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> terrific. Why? Uh, just because I like a guy, man, I, I think it's funny how he always says training pitch and like everything. He always says training pitch is funny. Um, anyway, we're going to move on to um, some some kind of transfer rumours that are they're going about. The, the first one um, is about a player who has left and, and seems to forget that he actually isn't a Celtic player anymore, but uh, Craig Gordon. Um, I'll put in the rundown, he's, he's moaning like a bitch. He was offered a new deal but obviously on very reduced terms because, you know, he's not really he's not really given much. We're not gonna renew him at the same the same money he was on before. He's in talks with hearts, he's spoken to St. Mern and knocked them back, but he's kinda still choking for a bigger offer from us by the looks of it. Um would I mean, is anybody of the opinion that we should sign him just because we might not get Fraser Foster? I mean, personally I I don't. I don't want to just sign up Craig Gordon on a on a what if. I I get the scenario that you know you you don't have Gordon anymore, you don't have Fraser Foster. We might not be able to get him back. So then you've only got Bain. But we would have to go out and buy someone. Like we would have to go get another goalkeeper, and we would get another goalkeeper. I don't like this idea of just signing up someone just for the sake of it and Craig Gordon I think it, it's it's the right time he's done he's been a great servant he's done some wonderful Kung Fu kicks but it's time to move on his time's done his time's done at Celtic apparently he, he was on 
I don't know, the rumours were was on he was contracted 20 grand a week, which is a lot of money. Um, he was a good keeper. I've said this before, I'll say it again. He was the third best keeper I've said, seen at Celtic in my lifetime. Now, granted, there's it's a very sh- small pool of good goalkeepers that I've seen. I mean, it's bad when people talk about Broto as one of the greatest goalkeepers they've seen. He played for, us for about 10 minutes, do you know what I mean? So it's it's... You know, we've never really had too many good goalkeepers. But the age the guy is, the money he was on, the fact that he's clearly and demonstrably worse than the keeper we've got, Craig, you know, Fraser Forster. I mean, for us, putting that aside, if we don't get Forster, people will be people will be absolutely distraught. But if we go back to Craig Gordon, a guy who will be a year older, it will be a severe downgrade. So... I would be unhappy with it. I would be even more unhappy though with Scott Bain, but that's another issue. My feeling on the matter is he was on too much money. He's getting too old. He'd been ousted in the team by another goalkeeper. Signing him up would be a bit of an anticlimax. It's not something that I think that we should do, but there is still a question mark there over goalkeepers. You saying that we'll go out and get another one, that's a problem. We generally do go out and get another one and they're usually pish, and that's the only thing that worries me. Yeah, I mean, we have some had some shite goalkeepers, but it it just I just think it would be not some most of them most of them I I mean I just think it would be a bit of a bit of a mistake. Obviously, we all hope that we can get Fraser Foster back, but you know you would like to think they've got some sort of uh, contingency plan there. And I don't know if anybody's got any names that they can think of that they would they would like. I mean, obviously. We're also going, we're going to talk about this a wee bit later on, but we've also got this um, strategy that's came out about we're only going to sign players that we already have ex- you know, knowledge on and we've, we've seen play before. I mean, there's not really goalkeepers that stand out to me in, in Scotland and you know, in the SPL that I would immediately go, oh yeah, you should go and get them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Fraser Foster will obviously be the main one, but um, Shira A6 asks in the, in the flick chat he said um, I have a real fear that Southampton will be looking to get a fee this summer for Foster and, would, and won't be interested in another loan effectively pricing us out is, is anyone happy with Bain being first choice keeper whenever the season starts I'm assuming not um, I mean I, I'm on the Bain train you know and I would have Bain over Gordon any day of the week Get up, you some money. Um, but no one's going to be happy with that, are they? No one, no one's, no, no, no section of the support are really going to be satisfied with either God nor Bain at this point. Can you know, and I think, sorry, I think it's just, it's just because Foster set the bar so high. Um, I remember last year, sort of during the summer, um, on the pods, people were saying we could un- upgrade at goalkeeper, and it was something I never really thought of. Um, because I thought Bain had done well. But then Bain had this sort of ropey spell in the, the Clues game, um, which cost us the Champions League, and then Foster's come in and sort of faultless as well. So it's kind of that thing that we've been spoiled because he's reminded us of how good he was. People questioned whether he would be at the level that he was when he left us because he did some horrific injuries at Southampton and he was completely out of the picture. But he was just as good as ever, I think. Um, and he seems tailor-made for us. Sorry, Keith. Just thinking, we've got four 
really, really important games in, in August and September with these Champions League qualifiers and the fact that they're just straight knockouts, there's there's no second matches. I would be my, my most confident going into them with, with Scott Bain and goals. Um, as to whether we've got any other replacements or plan Bs, I, I, I'm not entirely sure we do at this moment. So Manny, you've always championed Joe Hart. You're a big fan. Uh, get him in now, yeah? I'm Joe Hart daft. Who does he play for? Uh, it's not a fucking clue at this point. It may be in a free, actually. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever the price is, get him in. Joe Hart, he's a man. Do, do you think, uh, seeing all seriousness, right, what, what, what would you rather go for? Would you rather go for a keeper? You know, we're not going to go and take someone's first choice keeper, you know, unless it's here in Scotland. So, do we go down that route of an older keeper that's sitting at number two somewhere that's not going to get many games that you could, you maybe have a better chance of getting, or do we go someone who's at a younger stage of their career and and maybe played in the first team but only for a season or two? I mean, what? What way do we swing it here? Because it's it's such a crucial position. I tend to think number two keepers are number two keepers for a reason, and and generally speaking, that's not you know there's, there's always exceptions to the rule. But over the years, we've been linked with guys like Vorm or what's the boy Bravo at Man City and things like that. Generally, they're number two keepers because they've got flaws. See when see when you're damning somebody with faint praise when you say that they're an ideal number two. Roy Carroll was always told he was an ideal number two. That's because he was prone to making howls. Scott Bain, ideal number two because he's prone to making mistakes. So I, I would want to rule out the, the would you call it, the, the experienced head. I don't think we can get away from the fact who we all want is Fraser Foster. See, after that, if we don't get Foster, it's worrying. I don't, I don't know what I would do. I've no idea if Hazard's able to step up. I've no idea if we've got anybody else capable in our youth ranks. So, see if we don't get Foster, I'm straight into panic mode. And I bet you I won't be alone in that one. No, absolutely not. Uh, I just think, as well, I just hope that we're all kind of putting our sort of hat on Foster and I hope that Celtic aren't doing the same, sort of relying on the fact that he clearly loves the club, but there's so many things that need to fall in line for the transfer or even the loan to go ahead. Um, we could have a, a loan deal lined up and then Chelsea come in with an offer of seven or eight million pounds and he's away, even if he would prefer to come at us. So you would just hope that there is a plan B, but who knows, maybe we'll get a nice surprise and he'll just sign. Um, other, another player who's... Um been linked away with us this week is uh, Shved, everybody's favourite player who's not actually played. Um, is it time to cut our losses for Shved, do you think? Or I mean, the boys obviously struggled to settle in Glasgow. Um, you know, he's, he's been linked, I'm not even going to try and pronounce them, but you know, he's been linked to the champions in Hungary. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'd be kind of disappointed if we let him go, just purely because of his YouTube clips. Well, we asked Neil Lennon about him at the, the start of last season, what was happening, because he'd been hyped and we'd been looking forward to, to seeing, uh, seeing him, and we saw wee glimpses off his, his skills, scored a cracking goal in the qualifiers last year. Um, but Lennon says that one thing that disappointed him was they hadn't bothered to learn English. So... After you, you heard about his time, it was at Sevilla. He was at before when he got 
bit homesick and had to go back to Ukraine, you're wondering if he's actually doing enough to to actually integrate yourself into the team. I just blame him, eh? He's, um... Well, the goes if you think of what Eddie said last night. Eddie said that when he came in, he was just left on uh, his own devices in the hotel. So you're thinking there's a, a, a wee bit more that he could be doing to learn the language, go on an intensive course. You try your best to, to integrate yourself that way and it could maybe be a wee bit more. You, you would think that we would be doing all we could to encourage it, you know? Well, apparently he's still here during lockdown, didn't he? So maybe he's just been battering the books. And that'll be him. He'll be he'll be able to kind of hold his own with a language. He did a press conference. He did a press conference in the start of July with Glaswegian twang. Like one the fucking Celtic. <laughs> he did. He did score that brilliant goal. Remember when was that his first? Was that his first appearing appearance when he came on the European time? Scored that goal in the last not the last few minutes. Um, he may not have been his. He may not have been his first appearance, but it was. It was the one. It was the goal. It's kept him in your heart for this length of time. See, when we said goodbye to Kuasi, you had to replace him with another guy who's probably going to need, no make it with. So, welcome aboard to Louis Hart, Marion Shved. I know, absolutely. Um, no, there's been a lot of people in, in that heart of mine that they've, they've sadly been let go before their time. See, in general, just players leaving right now, do you not feel a wee bit nervous about it all? I mean, I just I understand there's there's no financial implications to everything that's happened recently, and you know, finances are going to be tight in many ways in terms of terms of the wage budget and stuff. But see, when with this season, especially when it might be very hard to recruit players, you know, I'm just I've always been very nervous about anybody leaving because you think if you're not going to replace them, you know. Is that a player that you could have used, even if it's only for a couple of games down the line? I mean, I would hope, I don't know about you, but I would hope that we aren't kind of making any rash, quick decisions on any players at this point, unless there's there's a real kind of necessity to do so. Well, I mean, it's the 23rd of June, Louis, so we've got a bit of time in our hands. I know what you mean, though. To be perfectly honest, we've heard about people going out. Now, none of the guys that have gone out, apart from the ones that the loan spells ran out, you, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be distraught at Hayes going to Aberdeen. Um, and I'm sure we'll come and talk about that briefly. You're not distraught that Gordon's leaving, you know. But the one thing that's concerning me is the lack of transfer chat about what's coming in. You know, you would want a bit of news about holding on to. I mean holding on to what we've got, even if that, you know, if they came out tomorrow and said, Eddie signed a new contract for however many years, we know that's just a guarantee your investment, but we know what we're getting them for the 10. If you come back and said they'd agreed a loan deal with Foster, that would give you a big boost as, as well, do you know? But, see, the, the, the lack of, kind of, I mean, you talked about being linked with Peterborough striker, Tony, I mean, even that wasn't a real link just now. It's just, and I know that there's everything else going on, but it, it is, that's what's worrying me. There's just this lack of commotion around the transfer window. Now, I know it is early and things are going to change and it'll probably open for longer and all that, but it just feels a bit stale just now. Um, I'm not too too worried about some of the guys that have gone. I'm worried about the lack of progress the other way, I'd say. 
Uh, there's a, there's obviously you know a lot of, um, a lot of clubs are just hedging their bets because they don't have a clue what's going to happen and what state of finances are going to be in or anything like that. But I know what you mean. It, it is a worry on the players coming in front. Um, Moy El uh, Unice has apparently been telling his pals that he wants to stay. Is that just bullshit paper talk, or is that something that we could we should actually read into? And also, what would you pay for him? I mean. Elgin say, I think, is undoubtedly a very, very good footballer. And I think if at any time if we could have sold if we could have bought him permanently, we would. But you know, how much now do we pay for him? Do we pay ten million for El Unice? If that's what it takes, is is he worth that? How much did they Southampton buy him for? About twelve and a half? Something like 16, that. 16 million. Yeah, it's like 16 million or something like uh, that. Which you think, that, that's, that's inflated EPL prices, but how much did he elevate us whenever he played? He was certainly a, a more attacking threat. I actually really like his style. Like he, he goes into challenges. He, he always looks for the ricochet and he seems to win some amount of balls and such a positive influence. He's also totally different for BMG. So we've got a different choice in the wide left. He seems to tuck in a lot more. Um, a good attacking threat plays off well off of Eddie. I like him, but if you're going to put an outlay of about ten million plus on him, then I don't think we saw enough this season to suggest that he was he was fully worth it. The other issue is Keith is the the system. Um, he was brilliant for see that sort of September to early November spell I think he scored maybe 8 goals in maybe 10 or 11 games but I think sometimes people forget how good he was but the other issue is we, we've since changed system to 3-5-2 and if it served us so well in the second half of the season I don't think there's a place for him in the team if we go 3-5-2 Barry, um, that's, that's, that's a tremendous segue a question that I'm sure you've probably read <laughs> but we had a this is a question that was put uh, to the cynic earlier on the week um, on the Patreon. Chris asks, uh, should signings be geared to three five two? If that's if that will be the preferred formation, if so, where do players like Forrest or El Unice fit in? I think against better European teams, the three five two won't feature. I mean, I, I think I brought that up last week. You would hope that in this downtime that the Lennon and the, the backroom team, although it's changed, will have settled possibly on a formation and will be planning their, their, their signings around that formation, surely. Um, it's an interesting one where when you say some area, I mean, what do you think? I, I kind of agree with, with Keith in some ways that I don't know if he's maybe, I don't know if he's done enough to say, I pay a 10 million, go for it. Um, and I don't think you're going to get him for a hell of a lot less than that. Is you know, would you stick or, or twist? Um, I think that Barry talks about his spell where he, he scored consistently for a period of time, and I think people do forget how good he was. But it is rolling the dice, and it is, it is a bit of a bit of potluck now. See, before we signed Eddie for nine million pounds, I said it was a risk, I, I still think it was a risk, um, but it's a calculated risk that's paid off. Elianusi could be in that category. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Eddie, but Elianusi could be. Say you paid nine million quid for him. He 
if he gives fit and consistent and played in a system that worked for us, he could be the player that elevates us to another level. I do think he's got that potential and that ability. But based, if you're basing it on what he's done in a Celtic strip overall, it's a it, it's a really big risk, and it's it's not something that I would I would sign off on. Maybe Lennon's seen enough of him in training and they know what he can do. And that's something that they would consider. But for me, based on what I've seen of him, it's not enough to um, to talk about that sort of outlay. Ideally, you get him alone again for another year. But I, all the rumours are that the new manager at Southampton sees something in him. So it might not, might not very well be happening. But I'd like him back, but not spending money on him at the cost of other areas of the team where we need to strengthen. So... I don't think he did enough to suggest that we could we could pay nine ten million quid for the game. I think that's that's spot on for him. I think see, as you spoke about earlier, that things are going to we think are going to change after this season anyway. And if there is going to be this hard reset and it's going to be about promoting youth, I think a loan signing for El Unice would be spot on. Get him in. He could if he stays fit, he could easily be a fifteen twenty goal. Uh, a season sort of a wide man and uh, they can leave a hero uh, when we get to in a row and the point you made about spending the money elsewhere it could be that get him on loan and then you do buy the players for a three five two, so you do spend the six or seven million pounds on a left-footed centre half uh, to play in the, the sort of uh, left of the back three or you put the money towards a goalkeeper so if there's a deal to be done on loan uh, I'd be all for it um, just a, a couple of other names um, we've been linked with. Actually, there's there's one on the goalkeeping front. Um, it's the AEK Athens goalkeeper Valius Barkas. Um, I think they need to sell money because they're they're, they're struggling financially. Um, sorry, they, they need to sell players to generate money because they're struggling financially. But they're looking around about seven million. Um, he's twenty six year old. Um, can't say anything, I know anything about him but it's a goalkeeper we've been linked with at least um, and our couple of names Jordan Ibe who we get linked with you know every transfer window I'm not sure if his contract is up at, um, at Bournemouth I think it is um, and another player who whose contract is up at Bournemouth is Ryan Fraser now Ryan Fraser you know we're never going to get um but you would take him. Would you take him over Moy? Anybody? Yeah. Aye. I don't know. Obviously, it's clearly not going to happen, you know. But Fraser looks good. Fraser looks good. Um, it's, it's Bournemouth, he's at, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, he looks good at Bournemouth because they're kind of set up to attack, uh, counter attack sort of thing. I, I'm. Seen Fraser play for Scotland and thought he, he looks fairly ordinary. I, I would all, often wonder what a guy like Ryan Fraser would be like playing against teams that sit in. So I think uh, Moyes get that trickery that Fraser doesn't. So if you believe it or not, if you ask me who I would pick out the two of them, it would probably be El Unice. Maybe alone in that, but I just I just think that he wouldn't get the space that he normally gets down there the way they're set up. Another thing is that. Ryan Fraser will be leaving in a, a free and he'll be looking to get paid. I think he's what, 27 or something just now. Gallum should have mentioned that he's been linked with, with Arsenal and clubs like that who are willing to throw ridiculous sums of money at players that we've no chance of doing. So I think that's a, a behind-the-sky shot, that one. 
But it was interesting you said about Barkas, about um, AK looking to to raise funds. There's going to be loads of clubs throughout Europe that are going to be doing that. And if we can... We might be one of them, but Keith. We might well be. I, th- I think we're in a stronger position than, than most just now. Even I think Martin had talked about in the biscuit tin um, how this uh, the, the lockdown, the pandemic, is actually eating away at that financial uh, gulf that we had over the other clubs. Um, that might be that might be true, but we're still in quite a, a healthy position, especially if the the season tickets are, are starting to go on a positive trend. But if we could then hold off a little bit and maybe cherry pick some players. There'll be a, a other clubs that will be looking to do that, but we might be in a wee bit of a fortunate position where we'll be able to take be vultures and take the players that are the clubs that are struggling and maybe not as, maybe get a, a, a bargain in there. I remember just for your just sort of mentioning cherry picking, Keith. Um, I can't remember who it was. It said it was a while ago on one of the pods that saying that a good strategy for Celtic would be rather than buy the sort of best players from Scotland, it would be to cherry pick the best players from our direct competitors for qualifying for the Champions League. So your likes of IEK and uh, Carabag and all these teams that we always face, if you could look at their best players, obviously do the scouting on them, then these are guys who would have experience of 10, 15, 20 games at that level um, and have been through the course. So it might be a good strategy. Uh, to follow. So you're saying we should be signing mailing this 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 transfer window then? I He's already gone. Uh, the one that got away. <laughs> that will save us a, a few weeks of saying, oh, we should have got him. Who was the boy at um, uh, Basel? We were always linked to again. Hacking Yakin. Yakin. And Murat Yakin. Getting Yakin brothers. <laughs> right. Aye, there's uh, there's been a few of them. It was uh, Finn Bogison, mind him. Finn Bogison, more linked to every window for for donkeys. Um, the other news this week was that uh, Neil Lennon had commented on entering into talks to get Ryan Christie a new contract. Um, his contract, I believe, is up in 2022. I think. Um, but the talks are underway and they're, they're hoping to kind of nail him down to a longer contract. He's 25, um, 25, 26. Um, it, it just makes it makes perfect sense. You could, you know, I suppose he might be one of the ones that possibly might want to go and, and try playing down south and after we do the 10. But if we could nail him down with some of the others that are on longer term contracts, it's... It's a win-win. Has anybody got anybody else other than the obvious, you know, in terms of Eddie? Um, anybody else that they would like to see kind of rewarded with a new contract for whatever reason? No. Brilliant. Thanks, Samari. Um, <laughs> That's podcasting. It's awards season, how Samari. We, we want to win awards and you're coming out with one line pish like yeah. One word. I'm not in this game for the, the credit or the praise. I'm in this game for the people. <laughs> I think I'm just asking. on the. Sorry. Sorry, I'm talking to Barry on you. <laughs> I just think Christy, um, it's important that he does get a new deal because up until the sort of turn of the year, um, he was on course to score about 30 goals in midfield uh, for us, sort of. Um, playing as a, almost a second striker at times. I know he played on the right as well, but he's one that 
I think I think he is a Celtic fan. I think someone said in one of the pods the other day that he's kinda a Celtic fan, which kinda put me off put me off him a wee bit. But no, I think he's he's invaluable. That amount of goals through midfield was it I think he ended up in twenty goals, was it? Something like that. Um and he's one that he could be here for his whole career. So it's it's really over to him. I think New Deal can I keep free from injury and he could be one of our top three or four players on the side for the next five or six years. He seems to be quite influential within the, the squad as well. Um, he's taking on that, that leadership role. One of the big things that seems to be uh, pushing for him is to perform in the Champions League. You could see last year after the, the Cluj game just how distraught he was. But he came out after the game, he spoke quite eloquently about his feelings, about the feelings of the full team. And that seems to be a big motivator for him, driving uh, factor for him in this coming year, is actually going for... Um, to, to perform and to, to make his name in the, the Champions League. I love his style of play. I think that is something that we we need in our squad. And the fact that he's a homegrown player as well, which adds to our, our European squad, I think it's, it's really important. And it's something that the fans will be able to rally behind as well if we can get a, a big name like Christie tied up for another couple of years. Other than the other kind of... I would arguably say that this is the biggest news of the week is that Bolingoli is still alive everyone he is still alive he's a Celtic player he's okay um, he was interviewed on the, the Celtic YouTube um, and I it just made you know I totally kind of forgot about Bolly but you know and so did Neil Lennon for half of the season but it would be uh, it'd be nice to see Bolly back in the team do, what do you think do you think he's he's got a chance or is there something going on there behind the scenes that just bit bridges have been burnt with, with Ball and Golly I mean this gives you a wee bit of hope doesn't it he's got has he got a chance aye because as much as Bolly's not impressed neither's Taylor I mean Lazio away, I seem to recall Bolly having an excellent game at a high level. So we know there's a player in there. It's just his consistency and sometimes um, he's careless in the ball. But you can, you, you know, all those criticisms you would you would put at Greg Taylor's door as well, you know. So that position is open there. Now, me being cynical, I would maybe want somebody to replace both of them. Um, if that isn't going to happen, you know, it's a, either one of them can make the place their own. Do you know what I mean? So it's good to see he's back. I, I do think there's a talented player in there, but um, just concerns about, you know, either of them being able to nail that place down as their own because I think they've both shown um, weaknesses. I, I, I don't know what else to think. He seems uh, a lot more comfortable going forward than, than Taylor does. Taylor was getting into positions and he was getting quite a few assists last year, but... I never ever looked comfortable and if he ever wanted them to go past, try and take a man on and go past them, it just looked as if he'd shot himself. Ball and golly <laughs> has that ability. You don't know what's going to happen. It could be we're going to end up in the, the opposition six-yard box, him setting up a, a tap-in for Eddie or we're going to be racing back to our own goal, hopefully hoping that, that Scott Bain's going to be off his line quickly to, to save the day. Being trained, love it. Um, see, to be fair, I, I, I think you could 
I think you could coach the mistakes out of Ball and Goalie. I think I think you could definitely make a better player out of him. I'm not saying that you can't do that with Taylor, but I think um, Ball and Goalie showed at times how good he can be. And I just don't like the idea that he's suddenly throwing out the team and, and not giving a chance to come back in. I would hope that it would be a clean slate for the players when they when they come back for pre-season. Yeah, I think, as you say, uh, Louis, I remember I think it was Roy Keane that said the hardest thing in football is to beat a man um, and Bolly can do that in abundance. I think it's it's easier to teach Bolly, even even not to be a better defender, but just to when to go and when to stay. Um, I think back to his performance at Ibrooks and he was faultless because he just did the basics. I think it'd be a lot harder to teach Greg Taylor how to beat a man and how to sort of get across in once you've beaten a man because it doesn't seem like that's his natural game. So, there's an argument that if you put the two of them together, you'd have a really good sort of left back and a left wing back. But I think if you can't have a clean slate after this, then there's something wrong. So it's maybe just a chance get all the players back and it's a clean slate for everyone. Absolutely. Um, a wee bit of news um, across Scottish football to finish up. Uh, Johnny Hayes, um, the beautiful Johnny Hayes, has... Uh, he signed a two-year deal at Aberdeen, um, which personally I think is a great move for him. I think it's great getting a two-year contract somewhere and to get it back at Aberdeen, where he's going to get game time. He's already a, a bit, you know, very highly thought of there. Win-win for Johnny Hayes, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good move for him. Um, I mean, it's funny how a guy that played so much for us in the last season, you know. I'm I'm not that bothered about moving on, you know, especially with the, you know, the five sub room that you've seen in um, some of the other leagues. Lennon would bring on five Johnny Hayes anytime he could, you know. But I think we all understood that Hayes gave what for you, but it was a lack lacked quality to play at left back or to play at left midfield for us. So as much as I had a, an admiration for his work rate, and you know, he's obviously got that goal at Ibrox that you know. Once you score against Rangers, you can't take that away from him. It, it, it was surplus to requirements here, largely speaking, and Aberdeen's a cracking fit for him. Uh, he's been a hero up there, played some good football up there, he'll get game time. So, I, good luck to him. Um, other news, Robbie Nielsen has decided um, to, after getting Dundee United promoted into the Premiership, He's decided to jump ship to Hearts, who are um, heading the other way and going back down to the Championship. Bit of a weird move. I thought, you know, personally, when I saw that he was even linked to it, I thought, nah, surely not. And then it's confirmed and you just think, you know, I know he's a Hearts man. I know he was a Hearts manager before and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I've been quite impressed with Dundee United and how they've managed to kind of get our shit together after some very ropey years and, and you know, they dominated that league this year. I, I was very surprised by it. Does everybody else think? Maybe he's just found his level. Maybe he knows that he's a, a championship manager and he, he knows he'll be able to, to get hearts up there and become a hero. Why did he leave in the first place? I can't even mind what was happening. He went to MK Dons. He was, he was real, he was held in very low esteem by the Hearts fans. The same Hearts fans who have unveiled a banner, apparently, one day <laughs> signing saying Nielsen out. When they flew one of those planes over saying he had no bottle and stuff like that, it's 
I think they questioned his style of play and I think he had a fairly poor record against Hibs when they normally have a very good record against them. So I think that counted against them. But um, why he's getting back is just baffling, man. It it can't be anything other than money. Never mind that he's a Hearts fan. He must be getting some decent coin for that because the way he was treated by the support the last time, the way that they're treating him after a day, you're thinking, you're off your head, mate. You have made a right mess of us. And you think, he was building a decent team at Dundee United. Do you know? I mean, say if Dundee United had said Shanklin's leaving, you could maybe understand why he was jumping shit, right? But you've not heard any of that. Um, and then he's signed up at Hearts and they're already wanting rid of him. Madness. You must think then that he's, he's taking Hearts at their, their lowest point. You would you would think that he's, he's then able to build them up and he's maybe been given assurances that players like Craig Gordon are going to come in. They'll <laughs> get Stephen Naismith still for another five years. Um, he must be getting reassurances that he's going to throw money at it. He's going to be able to build a team that's, that'll get promoted easily and then get into the Premiership. Or maybe even though they've got a really sound legal argument for staying in the Premiership. Hi, I think, I think it's madness as well. Um, I was about to say there, we'll maybe see... Craig Gordon up for a corner against us again next season, but they're not in our league, so get it right up them. Absolutely, aye. Um, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, Hearts are obviously a bigger club, but um, it just aye, it just seems seems very strange. Um, debatable. Debatable? Oh, don't be, don't be bad. How many European finals have Hearts been in? Oh, for fuck's sake. Right, all right, we're not having this debate. I, I don't really Before give a shit about either of them. Hell, you know. I know, I was born in the 90s, but I can't remember them. Um, so, just to finish up, um, you know, it's, you alluded to it earlier, Samani, it's, uh, it's this time of year again. I start getting itchy feet about no making signings, and uh, that's only heightened when the Rangers, the deed club, start buying players and, and you know, making us look as if we've got no money here. Um, they've signed, they, they signed a fourth, no, third player. I think it's three. I had a feeling it was four, but maybe not. They signed Hadji. They signed Hadji, paid money for him, and then they get two free transfers, a boy, a left back from Leicester. You know, he must know that that, so that's bad enough for me. And then they've today announced the signing of John McLaughlin, 32-year-old Scottish goalkeeper from Sunderland. I don't know who he is. Anybody know who he is? I thought that was Rod Stewart's pal. The one uh, Johnny Mack and the faithful Johnny guy? Johnny Mack and the faithful, aye. Did he know he was going to play for Hearts? Aye, he did. Aye, aye. I'm quoting him about slowly. Shite, shite, but, I mean, aye. Um, but, you know, there's nothing to worry about there. I've I've learned my lesson through all this, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give somebody any ammunition and start start <laughs> worrying because of um, because of them signing people. But you know, obviously we're gonna have to keep one eye on them because you know we're going for the ten. They're trying to stop the ten. Um, none of their signings so far, had you included, would make you worry, would they? I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't really look like they're going to do. They're going to. They're going to invest that much. Certainly, by what they've done so far, they're not going to invest that much. That they're really going to make a difference to that squad. That squad from last year is the one we need to beat again, isn't it? The only thing I'd be worried about is if they they change their, their plans for the 
the winter break and they didn't go to Dubai. That's the that's the only thing that'd be worrying me because that was the big positive for us in the past couple of years. So I think we should pay for that if we can. The fact that they've paid money for a player that they already had, I know that we would be delighted if we got Elianusi and Foster who had a loan, but it's a known quantity for us. Had you played for them for the, the last three months of the season and he looked a tidy player, but nothing that's to worry about. And I think the reason they had joy against us was because they were so compact uh, in midfield. But if they're going to play against us with Ryan Kent and Hadji, um, it's going to make them a lot more sort of open for us to attack. So it's going to be a good thing for us. So bring it on. Absolutely. Well, I think on, on that note, we'll, we'll probably leave it there for this week. Um it's been fantastic. We've obviously there's not a lot of um, stuff happening in terms of Celtic actually playing anything. I don't. I've not actually seen much of the. I don't know about you guys if they've put out a lot in social media this week of players training. I thought we would have seen more of the players training uh, this week, but you know we've not not really seen much from them. So we're obviously kind of scrimping and scraping from um, things that have. have happened during the week and, and players that we're being linked with but again hopefully this time next week um, we've got we've got more to talk about and maybe even maybe even a signing who knows um, Keith McGinty it's been a pleasure look after yourself you're muted so we can't hear you but if you'd like to say something about <laughs> uh, this has been terrific the, the educators and the influencers have put on a, a, a rare show tonight so I thoroughly enjoyed it cheers cheers and uh, Barry Thanks very much for having me. Um, hail, hail. Still bounce line. Barry live from the cockpit there. And uh, Christopher Samani. Oi, terrific. <laughs> you've, been, you've been fucking great, mate. Honestly, you've been, you've been terrific, great. I oh, appreciate that. really appreciate it. You hosting, top host on the 90 Minute Cynic. A thread, a thread better run down and you fucking hit me with one word answers, brilliant. Um, it's been a pleasure. This has been the, the Cynic Weekly and we will speak to you down the road. Yeah.